You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Hello, lovers. Welcome to You Gotta Love It. The show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed. The show where you can come to discover the best things you never knew existed. And the show where you can force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you've got to love it. It is now 2019. New year. New rules. Same podcast. We're breaking a big rule today. A rule that's been running for over 100 episodes. Yeah. We have a guest, a very special guest. But before we get to that, my name is Koji. I am uh, part-time, I don't know, sleepy and full-time sore. I've really uh, gone full-born at this whole climbing thing, and it's fucked up my life in a good way. <laughs> and with me, as always, is uh, my good friend and puss slayer, <laughs> Andrew Patterson. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey. <laughs> And uh, yeah, go on, go on. With us, finally, uh, even though we swore to the heavens, but that was in 2018, New Year, and 2017, and, 2017. and possibly even also 2016. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but yeah, 2019, New Year. We have our good friend Tom, who's on the podcast. Hello, hello. We said that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Here it nice. is. Here it is. Yeah, moment of truth. That's fun to think of. For this episode, we have two movies that... Those the theme black, really? Because it kind of... Yeah. That was sort of like the initial idea, but I... Uh, well, the, the running joke was I was I said we were going to do an all-black everything episode, and mm-hmm. then you thought... You know, I led you to believe that it was going to be black like... Panther or something? Thing that, things that like were sort of... Uh, had some gravitas in like the black community. Ethnic, yeah. I started with Black Klansman. You're like, okay, okay. And then uh, I was like, and then Venom. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the perfect time to bring Tom on as well to talk about <laughs> these topical issues. That's, That's it. It's true. Yeah, there's a lot of, but I think there's like a lot of, uh, anyway, whatever. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I can't even remember two things, okay? I can't find my notes on my phone. And also, I guess we start with the gem. Yeah. So we'll just roll right into, because uh, we can just, I think as we talk about it, it will jar my memory. Uh, yeah, so... It? You probably have like more notes on what yeah, the movie's about. Yeah, yeah. We're we're going to uh, be talking about Black Klansman. It's a spikely movie. A lot of Oscar... Spikely joint. No, joint. That's right. Uh, a lot of Oscar buzz surrounding this film. It is about a... It's a true story, or based on a true story anyway. Yeah. About... Uh, the town's first black police officer um, and how he was uh, crucial in infiltrating the KKK. He essentially impersonated somebody who wanted to be a KKK member up to the point where they wanted to, uh, you know, invite him to rallies and do all of these things. And so then he gets uh, a white cop played by Adam Driver to take his place in the live scenario because he's doing the impersonations over the phone. And uh, the two of them working together, working in tandem, if you will, uh, work to bring down uh, the leaders of the KKK, or as best as possible anyway, because the outcome isn't as cut and dry as all that. Uh, And some pretty powerful messaging at the end of the movie, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But uh, yeah, that's essentially the movie. Did I leave anything out? 
Uh, I don't think so. I think that's pretty much what you go with. I would say definitely um, there's also some realistic clips at the end of the movie too, not just as a true story. They show true things throughout the film as well. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Not even real. Just real. Yeah. They're just, it's just real footage. Yeah. yeah. Well, even the awful. story that the, that, that old man tells is like a, a true story. That he happened. is someone of significance, right? Like who is he in real life? Do you well, know? he, that story, he like lived through that story. Yeah. So like, uh, I don't know. I think he's, uh, pretty famous for, um, being big in the, the whole black movement, but he's a former Black Panther, I believe. Um, but I don't even know where to begin uh, with this movie. I thought it was fantastic. And then especially the, 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 the clips at the end that we've mentioned several times already even just like really hit it home and you're just like, fuck. Yeah, they were awful. I, rem- I watched a couple of them live when they were happening. Yeah. Or when they were first re- initially recorded, but... Yeah, that was pretty upsetting. Well, and especially then, because the movie ends on like a bit of a comedic element. Like they're calling up the leader of the KKK and like, you know, like essentially doing like a, a bit like, are your yeah. is your refrigerator running? Like that type of stuff. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's kind of like a lighthearted way to finish this movie. But and the, then that's just before the epilogue. Right. The epilogue is where he's talking to uh, his girlfriend or the girl he's seen in the apartment. And then they have a knock on the door and they're all laughing like of all the times and fun they had. And then all of a sudden a knock on the door, they both pull out guns immediately because even though this is comedic, you know, there's still a serious consequence for them the rest of their life at the end. Then they do this surreal shot down the hallway and then you see a God awful cross burning. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like it, 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 there's like a, a huge comedy element and then it gets serious and then it gets like really serious. And I, I feel like that's, a pretty good sort of um, explanation that it excuse me the dynamic of this movie in general like it's mm-hmm. there's a lot of very funny moments but there's this underlining seriousness throughout the whole thing I think yeah I think a lot of the humor stems from the audience though because to me it's one of those situations where the humor is <clears throat> is really only explicit if you're somebody that like if you're well, just for the sake of simplicity, say you're like liberal, you know, and mm-hmm. you're like very, pro- you're progressive, you're like pro quality, all that kind of stuff. A lot of the stuff will strike you as funny because of the absurdity of it. You're right. You know what I mean? Like a punchline isn't necessarily always delivered as a joke, like a comedic punchline. It's just the characters, all they have to do is exist in the scenario and kind of act like it's ridiculous for yeah. that to be the punchline. So. You know, I'm sure if you showed this movie to somebody that, you know, was like actively affiliated with some of the hate groups that are portrayed in this movie, they wouldn't be like, Haha, that's funny. Or they would be, but at completely, you know, opposite parts of the movie. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's interesting that it strikes that tone. It almost carries the same sort of sense of humor as like, um, you know, other other sort of dark comedies, like even like a Tarantino or like a a guy Ritchie movie where it's a little bit more explicitly like it's supposed to be funny, but it like what makes it funny is just like the situation the characters find themselves in without having to crack a joke. And that's usually something very violent and dark. And that's sort of like the vibe I got from this movie. Cause you know, as, as a, somebody who's not white watching it, I'm just like, Oh yeah, that's, that's fucked up. That's super uncomfortable. You know, like I'm feeling the discomfort of the characters in the scene, but that's also kind of what makes it funny. So, yeah. It's interesting. 
Uh, I would also like to just quickly say, because we don't need to talk about it too much, it's like one of my favorite soundtracks of last year. The score of the movie is amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I usually pick up on that, but I didn't. Okay. I didn't even think about the score. It's very distinct to me. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't just sound like the, uh, you know, sort of Johnny Jewel esque sort of indie, '80s John Carpenter trend, which I love. Yeah. But like, it's now so common that it's almost just like you know. It's too much. And yeah. it's not the epic strings that are in every other type of movie. Mm-hmm. It was just like, uh, you know, very. It felt very um, era specific. Yeah. You know. A lot of horns. It was cool. Yeah, they did like that kind of stuff, and they would go into like some of the funk, especially within like some of the dance sequences and stuff. There was the one scene where they played, uh, I think it was like the Rubber Band Man song. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, Guardians. Whoops, that's not where my brain should be going. But yeah, Guardians. Basically, every song on the yeah. soundtrack of Guardians defined redefined those songs for a generation. And there's going to be people like. Yo, you know that all of these songs were around for decades before this movie came out, and kids are just going to be like, "Wait, I don't understand." What are you talking about? Made for that movie, Electric yeah. Light Orchestra, man. The Groot Scoot. But the one <laughs> thing I found interesting about this movie, and I haven't seen it in a Spike Lee movie since, like, say, Do the Right Thing, yeah, is kind of like this. There was a surrealness to his color palette and choices and shots in the movie, yeah. Like, I really, I really liked um, when he was ever on the talking on the phone with David Duke how he would use Dutch tilts to make the conversation feel slightly uncomfortable. Hmm. Like the, as you would go, his angle would get a little more extreme with David Dukes. And then with his, you'd see his more like a normal shot, just right. showing that someone's being fooled or tricked. I liked how in the movie as well, you'd have one person telling a story, like the guy who was part of the Black Panthers. And at the same time, another story happening with like the clansmen going through their uh, baptism. Right. Yeah. And yeah. there's, there's people of like the black movement basically coming into their own, learning the story, learning about this horrible event with this um, special needs uh, kid who was butchered. And then the Klansmen bathing in their baptism of like becoming strong and you see the duality of these two worlds and what it means to them and like how he would shoot that. He'd always do, he used duality a lot in this movie. Yeah, it was pretty interesting uh, the way it was put together. I wasn't, <clears throat> I mean, we talked about the comedy, but it, it's interesting because like there are some really uncomfortable moments like you, like you said and then really funny moments. And at times I like, I wasn't sure how to how to feel about it like because i'm I'm laughing and then i'm like ooh, like this is also terrible but like i guess that's kind of the point ultimately it's very entertaining and there's a hopefully a positive message i mean i took away a positive message but i think like you said andrew uh you you know if you're not liberal it might yeah the message might be lost on you you probably wouldn't see it in the first place so i'll I'll tell a little story at the end of the movie when i was i watched it with uh, my girlfriend kate last night and um we're watching it and we're enjoying it we giggle here and there we're like oh shit in moments and then when the end happens oh actually there's one scene before we get to the end where the sergeant takes uh the detective into the hallway and he's like we don't want someone like david duke in the white house yeah and you can clearly see yeah, this like is a halfway through the, yeah halfway through the film and you can clearly see like it's very thin subtext for trump sure. and then at the end of the movie you see the scene with trump and david duke and all the real life stuff and the horrible girl the thing with the girl getting hit by the car and all that fucking shit but i look over at kate and she's just crying and i'm just like yep and she's like 
we haven't come far at all. And like, that's the point of the movie uh, where we've, we've come far a lot of ways, but there's a lot of things where unless people keep fighting or keep pushing and keep going, like thing can, things can easily regress as much as they can progress. And that was just kind of the feeling you have at the end of that movie a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think my favorite thing about this movie and the reason that I would tell people I'm kind of jumping the jumping the gun here because I know this is a question you ask, but sure. the reason I think I would like people to see this movie is what I thought was kind of surprising for me because of the way that I felt towards most Spike Lee movies that are about <clears throat> social issues, predominantly about social issues, like do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, although to an extent, they all kind of have it, but something that I was really glad to see touched on in Black Panther, which we talked about a lot, you know when we reviewed that and we were discussing that on the podcast, I said that I thought that the, the reason that that movie was so great was kind of the thing that most people were missing, which was that it wasn't a movie that was about, it's like the black community saw that as this sort of changing of the guard. And it was like, this is just a great movie about being proud of being black. But to me, it was a lot more nuanced than that. And, right. oh, and, sure. and, and, something that Ryan Coogler does and like, you know, even like Ta-Nehisi Coates and some of these other uh, sort of rising stars in writing and movies and comics and directors and stuff like that. Like they all are showing that it's not just, um, it's not just a white problem, if that makes sense. And by that, I don't mean like, it's not just something for white people to deal with. Like, it's like, they show the nuance and that it's like, oh, maybe there are things that we could be doing better or, you know, like just because we have been uh, subjugated and treated in a certain way for like the last however many generations doesn't right. mean that we are exempt from any of the guilt of how things are happening today. Right, right, right. Um, so I, I, I personally appreciate that perspective and I wish that more people, regardless of, of their race would like appreciate those aspects of this movie that it's not about just simply pointing fingers and saying like, um, well, you know, you're wrong or you're wrong and therefore I'm right. It's more about saying like, you might be more wrong than me, but there's also, there's things that we could all be doing and it doesn't sort of like, um, they're not like mutually exclusive, yeah. you know, like actions that are happening anyway. So in this movie, I really liked that the way that the, students were being portrayed in a time that was like where it it was completely forgivable that they would feel that way. It was still, you know, the fact that he was a cop and his relationship with, um, his sort of love interest was kind of like, he had to hide his copness. Yeah. It was tense because he didn't agree with the way that uh, this sort of the, the larger, the movement at large was like approaching it, like where they were basically just like figures of authority are the enemy. And he was kind of like, well, no, <laughs> yeah, it's not completely true. And, you know, there are valid points on both sides of it, but I like that they, um, you know, that Spike Lee chose to, um, you know, he's somebody who's been very outspoken throughout his career, but it was like very ref- sort of f- refreshing in the genre for me to see him like really show both sides of it and be like, okay, well, like, you know, if, if you're black and you think that cops are the worst, and it's like, you know, fuck the police. What about black cops? Where, you know, are they just part of the problem? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's not black and white. And then the other thing that I really liked, and I'll stop dominating the conversation, is the, uh, the flip of that where it showed the, uh, you know, like Adam Driver's character. 
yeah um as being jewish but like having never thought about you know he has that those bits where he's like i never really thought about being jewish like he's like white jewish right because he's never he wasn't raised culturally Jewish, he yeah. said. He said that it was just kind of a thing in the background of his life, almost yeah. quote in the movie. But yeah, it wasn't yeah. something that he had been confronted with or had to really reconcile with because obviously he didn't live through like World War II and people just see him as white until the series of events that happened in this movie where it's almost like it, it, uh, it moved him to think about these things. Like, oh, you know, like, again, it's not just black and white. Like there are all of these shades, shades of gray. Like I may not feel threatened when I'm just walking around, but now I feel threatened because all that happened was a switch was flipped in my head where I'm like, oh yeah, even though I'm not walking around talking to these people that are like, you know, waving like swastika flags. And it's just sort of like, I feel less at risk because for me, it's like hidden, it's hidden from view. Like I can easily just say like, no, I'm, what you know whatever insert ethnicity like white ethnicity that i re- i resemble and i can kind of hide that yeah yeah so he never felt really involved until he was partnered with this black guy that was willing to basically throw him into <laughs> into the line of fire and be yeah. like okay here's what you got to do i also got to say from a cinematic standpoint i really thought that uh, i think it's john david washington did an amazing job adam driver incredible and fucking Eric Foreman uh, <laughs> as David Duke. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Incredible. Like it's pretty crazy that he, that's one of those things where whenever you see somebody who plays Hitler or plays somebody like David Duke or plays somebody who, it doesn't even have to be somebody who is like uh, you know, a dictator or like DiCaprio um, playing the uh, owner of the, the slaves in uh, Django and chain. Like yeah, of that kind of, like, yeah, exactly. Tone. Somebody yeah. who is almost, uh, Oh, uh, almost for obvious reasons, universally like despised. Yeah. That like, <laughs> I, I almost give people just pro- like actors cre- like credit for just doing that. Cause you think that their agents and, and all like all the sort of like knowledge in Hollywood is like, don't do that. Cause it will kill your career. Yeah. And if you do a great, it's like, if you do a great performance, then it's like, uh, you know, like it will change how people think about like you. Like Eric you, Foreman's terrible episode where he just starts calling out Fez. Like, no, Eric, no. Yeah. Like, it's something that will haunt him, like part of it, because it is a dominating performance. Yeah. Um, the other thing is like, the, the one actor who I was kind of like wondering about is the guy who played the bodyguard in I, Tonya, Oh, yeah. Who also plays the stupid Klansman. Yeah. When I yeah, saw yeah. him, like he is perfectly cast as the dumbest white person I have ever met in my life. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> he was he was great for the subtext of where you have these people who are like we're the master race, and then you see you look over to your right and you see that guy. You're like, yeah, yeah. Well, you undercut. It's a and, good undercutting of that tone. Yeah, yeah. And another thing that I thought was really brilliant about that was that the you know because like you know the thing is these people are not stupid. You know what I mean? Like that would be naive for somebody mm. like, like the, the, the sort of, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but the guy that sort of with the guy with the glasses. Oh yeah. yeah. That's like not the unhinged guy. Yeah. Or yeah. The less unhinged guy should say. Sure. You can tell that he knows that, like he's aware that that, but like he's in a position where he's just like, he thinks that that guy's a moron, but he also knows that this guy's for the cause. Right, like there's strength can, in numbers. You, you can't. Yeah. He's just kind of like, you know, 
they talk about this sort of like superior, pure, you know, master race. And yeah. then there's this guy and he's just like, you can see it. Like the way they filmed it, the way they wrote his role and the way he delivers his lines, like that guy's just like, this guy ain't it. But also like, what am I going to do? I'm not going to, yeah. if, if I call him out, people are going to, you know, so it's like this, it's very, I, I thought it was like, it was very nuanced despite uh, Boots Riley taking issue with a lot of the choices that Spike Lee made, which is a whole other conversation and something that I think is both hilarious and frustrating. Boots Riley uh, was Direct. responsible for a movie that we did a few episodes ago called um, Sorry, to, Sorry bother to Bother You. Oh, yes. Also of the, the rap group, The Coup. And uh, interestingly enough, kind of his movie delivers... Not, not similar messaging, but it is like a similar in tone, I guess. Yeah, and there's just he 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 credits Spike Lee with like inspiring him, and he respects him a lot. But he was one of the first people to basically come out and say that uh, he took issue with Spike Lee making the movie, uh, making the cops basically be the heroes in the movie, mm-hmm. which is part of the inc- sp- incredibly <laughs> meta. Yeah, but but hit, but regardless of whether it's part of the story, no, I like no, a, the, I, just, I find it funny because it's kind of like what you were saying before, like the two sides opposing each other. Yeah, exactly. And that conversations in the movie itself. Yeah, exactly. That's why. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's why. Off. That's why it's like meta. That's yeah. I totally agree. It's like, it, you know, I have a respect for both of them. Yeah. You know, to some degree, for different reasons, and it's just sort of like, uh, it's funny because seeing them sort of like where their emotions and their feelings are like, this is how I feel about this issue is like, Oh, his movie made a statement. And then he says that about Spike Lee's movie. And I was just like, you know, before both of these movies come out, came out, I would have probably been like, yeah, I'm all for anything that boots has to say. And I'm like, you know, Spike Lee, I like can respect the things that he's done, but like, I'm not a big Spike Lee fan. But then after the move, both movies came out and that exchange, I was kind of like, Ah, I feel like the opposite now. I'm kind of like I'm kind of like on team team Spike, yeah. and I was just sort of like, "What are you even like?" Well, it's a totally unnecessary, and to me, kind of like off base criticism. But I mean, again, he's entitled to his opinion, and it is good to see that it's not like a black monolith, and there can be different voices and different opinions within, you know, an ethnic group. Because let's face it. That's fucking the way it should be. It's stupid to assume that everybody just feels the same way about these issues. All right. So let's go to the questions. Um, why should people watch this movie? I already said mine. Yeah. The nuance, I think. It's 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 nuance wrapped in like a deliciously well-filmed, polished candy coating. You know? There's, there's some layers there, like a jawbreaker. Um, I would say, like, I agree with Andrew on that one. And then to add on... Uh, I would say it's always good to watch movies that like challenge your views, opinions, and the history of things. Right. Like if you start forgetting how things happen, even though like obviously things in the movie are stylized for a movie point of view, it's good to have refresher courses on like how things happen, how things can happen. And honestly, it's just like an amazingly well-directed film. Like it's one of my favorite Spike Lee directed films, like the art direction, the color Guys, palette. Guys, it's Spike Lee joint. Sorry, joint. I will get that right. Jesus. Yeah. Um, edit that out. <laughs> but um, it's it's a beautiful film um, or joint. Yeah. There you go. Nailed it. There you go. I, I agree. And uh, I'll also say that uh, I think people should watch this movie because it sends a serious message while 
not being so serious in tone all of the time. And I think that the casting and, and sort of acting in this movie is like as spot on as you can get. I think everyone just like plays their roles perfectly, which is something that doesn't happen often. Like one of the questions we normally ask is who stars in the reboot, but I don't think I would recast this. Like not even any of the characters really. Yeah. I think they're all, all right, like spot on. So who, uh, what's the best movie moment? What's your favorite part of this movie? Is there a scene that you're like, that's the scene? I did really like the scene uh, that I didn't feel the need to elaborate on that Tom spoke about because it's very on the nose. Like for anybody to have missed what was what the intended message was mm-hmm. when he takes him into the stairwell and he's basically just like, we're trying to, like we, we can't let somebody like this become president. Yeah. And he kind of la- like the, the black man kind of laughs that off and is like, you don't be ridiculous. People won't let that happen. And the guy's just like, that's an incredibly naive thing for you to think, you know, yeah. like, and he's, and it's like a funny moment that is just so obviously cut short by like a very blunt, like you're fucking stupid. If you think that this is yeah. not something that can get out of control, like a wildfire, if we don't, you know, stand up to it now look at where we are when this movie like while you're sitting in the theater you know what i mean it was just like a nice uh i think it's rare that you can do something like that in a movie and kind of get away with it you know Mm -hmm. like a lot of times it would like almost take not only take you out of the movie as an audience but kind of you're just kind of like oh this person's putting their own like how they feel about it even though it's you go into that movie knowing how he feels about these things but it's just like it was very well done that was like probably my favorite uh, I would have to say, like, uh, I like the scene where he makes the first phone call to the clan. Yeah, oh, that's pretty funny. And all the cops are slowly turning around, looking at him. Like, Adam Driver probably has one of the best comedic, like, physical turns I've seen in a long time. And then the payoff at the end, when after he's done this conversation that was just, like, hilarious and interesting. And you're not sure what the response from the cops are. He's like, are you a fucking idiot? And yeah. He's like, why? You're like, oh, you're going to hear some, like, racist shit or something's going to happen. And he's like did you just use your real name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just that moment of shit. And like that rookie move and all the other cops laugh. And I'm like, that was just like this moment where you got to learn who these cops are around him. And yeah. like, that's what they took issue with is like his like naiveness of like using his own name and his like juniorness. And like, I just loved how that entire scene played out. All right. So what is the budget for this film and how much did it make? I feel like you're like 30% on these, which is pretty good, you know? I got to I got to up my batting percentage. Uh fuck, I'm kind of out of it right now. I'm going to just say 60 million. And how much did it make? Ooh, domestic or international? 70? 75. I'll say 75. I'm going to say that it made a little bit of money. Yeah. This is domestic or international, my actual action. International. Oh, international. Um, so I'm going to say the budget's 45. Yeah. I'm going to say it's uh, made like 43. Okay. Wow. You guys ready for this? No. Mm-hmm. The budget for the film, $15 million. So the di- literally, if you subtracted Tom's guess from my guess, that's one five million dollars, and it made eighty nine point one million dollars. Good. So uh, this is a roaring good. success. That's awesome. I was close. 
close. No, I wasn't really close so, at all. <laughs> that's the kind of thing where I'm guessing everyone did that movie to do that movie because a $15 million budget means that no one took a big salary. Yeah. I'm imagining. I think the only, the only person I can really see fetching a really big price tag though, would be like Adam, Driver. Adam driver. Yeah. yeah. Cause but like, else, but even like if you think of like, it's like say Wa- Washington juniors, like dollars for like a lead role or a million dollars or, and True. there's a lot of good actors in there. Like you've seen in other things and just like 15 million means a lot of people did it passionately like any period piece costumes cars shit like that costs money it, it is really funny uh just as an aside that we're like talking about people still making hundreds of thousands of dollars to be in a movie as like it's like when we talk about athletes like oh he took a huge pay cut he could have made 11 million but instead he's just making 7.5 it's just like yeah that's still a lot of money sure for for, for however many months of work not that you i'm not I won't go down that road. It just is kind of funny. Just like, oh, they took such... That's crazy. They must have just done it out of passion yeah. for $750,000. You know, for me, yeah. I, I used to... <laughs> that, used, that stuff used to really bother me. But now, to me, like, <clears throat> you look at it and somebody is making a lot of money oh, yeah. oh. off these things. So, yeah. like, it's a piece of the pie scenario. For sure. And you're just like, why shouldn't these crucial... These people like yeah, kind of crucial into the machine. It's also one of the things where people make back end where they're like, I'll do it for this. But if it makes this, yeah, thank you very you much. You never know. Totally. Okay. And um, how much money would you pay to see this movie? Is it like a full theater price. scenario? Yeah. yeah full full price. price? Easily. Yeah, I agree. Possibly in a VIP ticket. Hmm. For sure. Yeah. And it, it would be fully, watch something like that. fully worth mm-hmm. the money. Yes. A nice dark beer. Mm-hmm. Okay, now <laughs> a movie that may or may not be worth the money. Uh, um, we'll get to that question later. Is Christ. Sony's Venom, uh, based on the character from the Spider-Man comic books by the same name, played by none other than Mr. Tom Hardy. Uh, I'll let somebody else kind of describe what the movie's about because I don't know that I can. Describe what the movie's about. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. It's so. It's kind. Yeah. It's basically it's about an alien, uh-huh. uh, an alien race called the symbiotes, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people pronounce differently before this movie came out. I always thought it was symbiotes. I thought it was like symbiote. Well, yeah. that's singular. Like, like symbiotes would be plural. Like. Mice and meese. Of course, right. Good point, good point. <laughs> so they're basically like um, these organisms that are named because they, you know, forge this sort of symbiotic relationship with whatever organism that they attach themselves to. And there's sort of like um, this uh, massive multi-billion dollar corporation um, run by none other than Riz Ahmed your boy Riz MC, uh, who, you know, he, he does a lot of like, uh, it's sort of like a pharmaceutical company, like a company that does all of, is responsible for all these scientific breakthroughs, but really secretly he's been funding these missions to space to uh, try to retrieve these aliens. They don't really, exp- how, I don't remember how they explain how they even know where they are. There was an asteroid they were uh, tracking. Right. Yeah. Uh, they want to bring them back to Earth because he thinks that they could basically lead to all these breakthroughs slash make people 
invincible like they could just survive in space so that he could like go out well, it's pretty they it's make pretty him intense. they make him into a sort of elon musk-esque character in which his entire drive is to you know allow humans to colonize space and he believes that our best bet is to join with these symbiotes and symbiotes yeah and uh, symbiotes symbiotes and uh nice oats and, and join with them and uh you know, so that we can live in space. Yeah. And so he's he brings these back and starts testing them on homeless people. Is that correct? Basically, and so Tom Hardy plays a uh, hard-nosed, edgy reporter Eddie Brock, who uh, has an accent from New York, someplace. I think they explain that at some point in the movie. Yeah, they, he's ended up in San Francisco because he keeps getting fired from papers. Because no, too I'm much just commenting on his New York accent from someplace New York. It's. Not yeah, what it's fine. Call. You know those accent those accent things don't even bother me anymore because I've met so many people in real life who I'm just like I don't know where this person's from, but their accent is wild. You know, yeah. like that. That's where we're at. You know, um, but I know I know where you're coming from. It's anyway. He kind of stumbles upon the story by sneaking around in his girlfriend his girlfriend I, it's like fucking whatever none of that matters I like the that point it's, is, I like that we have to talk so so much just to get to the point of a superhero film because there's so much convolutedness to this fucking film yeah he gets exposed to a symbiote uh, named Venom symbiote and uh, he starts exhibiting all kinds of weird abilities and like craving garbage craving uh, yeah he needs to eat a lot and uh yeah, there's there is a lot at play for a concept that is basically rooted in the idea of like better nature versus, you know, your dark side, like the sort of idea in the original comic. I think the, a lot of the themes could be boiled down to that. Right. And that's still sort of at play here, but it's very much obscured by all of the other crazy shit that's happening. So that's kind of the synopsis. He still he basically Tom Hardy or Eddie Brock tries to harness the symbiote in order to fight uh, Did we say that these symbiotes are inherently evil or destructive? Yeah, they're parasitic. Yeah, they kill but, their host as they... And but they, they, just... they also enjoy violence, it seems. Sure. Yeah, they're, the planet that they come from, it's like, the, the, it's like a real, um, you know, the jun- like it's like the jungle. It's like fucking like whoever's the, the most badass is like the... The leader. The, is the leader, yeah. You need to like fucking... Just people fighting for superiority. Yeah. Um, which, you know, spoiler alert, in the end, one of the other symbiotes that they have retrieved b- binds itself to Riz Ahmed and just fucking mayhem. He just starts murdering droves of people. But in I'm, an effort like, to escape the planet so that he can bring his other symbiote friends back to Earth and take like it Tom over. Unlike Tom Hardy's yeah. Oops Murders. Yeah. So... Uh, that's kind of this movie. Uh, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it, but like, it's no better or worse in my mind than like, say, Justice League or something. You know, like I think Justice League's worse than this film. Okay, there you go. So this is better than Justice League. There you yeah, go. That, that's not. He a, loved it. That's not a. High you gotta love it. He loved it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Uh, That's oh, the podcast. Okay. <laughs> what, were there scenes in this movie or just aspects of this movie that you liked? I mean, I'll say at first, I liked the idea that Tom Hardy wasn't wearing something over his face for an entire movie. Right. <laughs> uh, you could hear him clearly. 
Yeah, like, but wow. the more I heard him clearly, the more I was like, you're somehow terrible in this movie. Like, his acting was very bad. Yeah, but, okay, can we just stop for a minute, though? The reason that I don't blame Tom Hardy... Oh, I don't be- blame him. ...is because look at who else... Like, the night of yeah. Riz Ahmed. Incredible. Like, just, like, fucking mind-blowing performance. Like, the dude... Fucking knows what's up, you know. But but I will say that Riz Even Ahmed. Even what's her name? Michelle uh, Williams. No, not Michelle Williams. The scientist oh. from uh, the that's usually in comedies. Uh, I know you're talking about yeah. Why can I not remember her name? I she feel was awful. On Saturday Night Live for one season. Was uh, she? Yep. What? I don't. How remember. many years ago? Oh, like during she was in the the Threw It on the Ground sketch. Like she was right. the Andy Sandberg. Year. I just thought that she was just for, like friends with Andy Sandberg and was in some no, of the digital she shorts. She was on SNL once. Wow. She's cool. I like her. Anyway, she's in this movie uh, also. But anyway, yeah. Woody Harrelson. And, and Michelle Williams. Oh, yeah. Woody, <laughs> starring the dollar store clown wig that they throw on his head at the end of that film. Yeah. There's going to well, be carnage. Yeah. Like, it, it, like that felt like they didn't even try in that scene. Jerry like, Slate. Thank you. Yeah. They uh, kept did not try. Lizzie. Like no. that entire end sequence. So it's like, okay, guys, let's get a sequel going, and which oh, they, this is happening. Oh, oh, yeah, it's happening. There's going to be a question answered at the end of this. Like, How much did this movie make? Too much. Yeah. yeah. Well, Th- thanks, China. I so before I saw it, the thing that I loved about this movie was Riz Ahmed. I thought that like he he was playing in this movie. Like his acting in this movie was like, oh, we're gonna win an Oscar here. No. And everyone else in the movie, like I thought he was really, but no, like I thought he was going he, for he it. He like, played, he played villain one hundred and one. Yeah, but like, he committed. I see yeah. what you're saying. Like he, he wasn't like, okay, we're in this movie that's kind of a B movie. I'm gonna kind of phone no, but that's it in. the thing. I think that if everyone would have been on the same tone, I think everyone was totally different in this movie. Yeah, like if you're going for the tone that he wants to go for, serious, then you have a certain aesthetic to it. It felt like sometimes it was a buddy comedy between. Uh, Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy darker voice. Right. And then sometimes it was like Michelle Williams being like, I don't know, Eddie. And like that. Right. And then Riz Ahmed's like science things, technology, sacrifice people for the future. But I thought like he was committed and the entire time I thought Tom Hardy was just like, this movie's kind of wacky, guys. (laughs) You know? So so it was kind of weird. Right before I saw the movie, I was in the Silver Snail. And, and there was one other guy in the sort like one other customer and uh, he started talking to one of the staff members and he was just like, yeah, I saw Venom earlier today. And the guy was just like, oh yeah. In a and hushed voice? Yeah. Okay. Well, because like, you know, not hu- like not hush hushed, but like he wasn't yelling. He was just kind of like, hey, like I saw Venom t- earlier today, like as if he was kind of familiar with the guy, like they knew each other casually and he was okay. like, and the guy's like, how was it? And he's like, he's like, it was fucking amazing. Without a hint of irony, and he was just like, you know, like Sony's been fucking up these characters for so long, and like Spider-Man, the Spider-Man universe, just ruining everything. And I had such low expectations going into this movie, but like they finally got something right. They really knocked it out of the park. And I was standing looking at the comics, just like knowing that I was going to see the movie. This was like on a Monday. We went and saw it on a Tuesday in theaters. Oh yeah, five dollar night. Five dollar night. And I was in my head. I was just. I think I even mentioned it before we saw it. I was just like. It kind of threw me off because I was in the most critical the environment where people generally are the most critical. You know, like the comic fans are like the most relentless fucking like even the you take the best comic book movie and comic book fans will find a problem. Aquaman. With it. Exactly. On. 
You know what I mean? And uh, so I, I was kind of like thrown off. I was in the comic store and heard that. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, maybe I'm in for a pleasant surprise. And then I saw it and I was just like, oh, no. No, that guy. That, but that but that whole, this, this whole story leads me to my next point, which we can kind of segue into the, okay. the amount that it made, which is that I think by and large, like we're in a bit of an echo chamber among our friends because a lot of us went to school for animation or some sort of film. We're all like pretty, yeah. our tastes, you know, we're, we're, we're super into music, we're super into movies, we're super into video games. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of people that like the, all of those things, but they're not like passionately into those things. Right. And I think that that's the, represents the majority. So it's like when you see a movie like that and like we're just like, oh, it wasn't bad, you know? You got to love it. Maybe I didn't love it, but it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. There are droves of people that, that were laughing in that theater, but not laughing out of like, this is corny. Like they were having a fucking great time. They thought it was sick, you know? Finally, a movie where it's like, he's kind of a superhero, but he's like, fuck, you know? Like it was just like, yeah, it, it kind of felt like um, like a early late '90s, early 2000s movie for superhero, where they yes, they they were kind of a little campier and cheesier with it. And like I can Dark s- Man, yeah, actually, it did have. <laughs> uh, honestly, I saw Dark Man maybe a year ago, and it's, I can say like it's probably amazing on scale with the acting. It's great. That's a like, great movie. That's if you guys actually seen surprisingly Dark Man. a good call out for if you like yeah. Dark Man, go see Venom. Shouts Daryl Graham for introducing me to Dark Man because I really enjoyed watching that movie. Also, I lo- the has one of my favorite sequel names where it's da- Dark Man Die, Dark Man Die. I think that's the one. Wow. Didn't know that. <laughs> like where it's just like a tongue twister. But with Venom, uh, oh Christ, there's just, there's so much annoyance like i understand you're saying we have we have an echo chamber of like where we are and like what people say like my balancing board is usually when i go see movies with my uh, stepdad and he's just like man like justice league was good i'm like cool (laughs) explain (laughs) and he's just like he's like you know like it's like they really got batman and superman all that right and then like he saw venom he's like he's like oh that's fun like and it's just i guess it's if you look at venom you can look at like a it's very saturday morning cartoon yeah and if you're just going in for a very simplistic view of superheroes with the villain and the hero and like no depth, like then yeah, by all means, like enjoy Venom. There's not much subtext to that film and that's fine for people. I think for me, the only thing that would make this movie right for me, like a, as a genuine love it, uh, which is big. This is a big deal for me to say this, but I think that this is the movie where the only way you could make a Venom movie like really good, mm-hmm. like a fucking ninety-eight percent Rotten Tomatoes, is to kind of throw out the comic books. Like, don't try to make Venom look like the Todd McFarlane Venom because that will not ever translate to. You the want screen. like the Topher Grace Venom? No, because that's still that was still at that time. That also that did was, not translate to screen. It they did were, not. They, they were trying. They were trying to go for that venom. I think what you have to do is you need to take the essence of the story of Venom, and you need to do it completely differently. Like you don't fucking put it. You can't set it in the comic book world. Like when we when this was first announced, and it was like it's going to be a, like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. You remember that? And it's like it's going to be like R rated. It's going to be a horror movie. The idea that like a a parasitic alien comes to Earth and attaches itself to somebody who is already kind of a troubled person as they are in the comics. Like, yeah. you know, like, and, um, 
gives more weight to their, you know, I don't want to say like more, the morbid, like just, you know what I mean? Like to their violent tendencies and like, yeah, um, you could really make a fucked up, genuinely scary horror movie. Yeah, that would have been great. About that without having the that classic Venom. And, you know, yeah, there would be outrage. There would be people would like, I think that initially there would be a lot of fans that would be like really hurt by that and like upset that they didn't pay homage to the comics. But I think you could get a really good film about that. And like, it would just be interesting to see because it would like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of like the symbiote as not even having a face really, you know, like you could right. have something where it's just super creepy. Cause the idea of like a black sticky mass yeah. that like en- engulfs you and like, changes who you are is scary so it's like you could do something sick with no, it but be... they keep trying to make it like this sort of tongue-in-cheek goofy action like you have to have like all of these uh it's just like two on the nose and i think that that only really works in the comics yeah i think it would be a good body horror movie it lends well to like possession oh, yeah taking over Fuck. Like, yeah. you imagine yeah like a good Oof. david lynch film or something like, like limbs yeah i think like a, mix like a lot of, of like... crazy but shit. You... do you ever see the fly Yes. Yeah. Kind of like the fly, where it's just like about this this guy who's like transforming. Maybe he hears a voice in his head or something, but that's like all you get until like right near the end, he becomes Venom, and that's where it ends. Then you could have a sequel mm-hmm. if you wanted to. But you wouldn't have the carnage. <laughs> and and you can think about even like the they show it a little bit in this film, and it's something that generally makes me pretty uncomfortable in movies that are like horror movies or sci-fi movies is that idea that like it it the sim the symbiote makes. It feeds on the host, right? Right. So seeing like the idea of somebody becoming increasingly more like to the to, to everybody else that doesn't know what's going on unwell, you know, yeah. like the idea of like almost like a drug addict or somebody that's addicted to some like there's just so much potential there. The problem is that and I could understand I don't even really blame the people that made the movie because your hands are kind of to an extent tied because they're they're it's just an instance where they're making something and they're trying to like lasso the popular they're trying to make what made the comic book popular as a character that's like in spider-man's rogues gallery yeah they want that but like it would be good to just have that concept independent of that and then you could you could probably ostensibly figure out a way to incorporate it into that world you know but well did you guys um see the movie upgrade no, I haven't watched that. Did you yet. see Upgrade? No. Is it's it like, good? Yeah, it's excellent. It's one of the best fighting films uh, in a while. Really? And it's definitely like oh, wait. under the radar. That maybe is the movie we were talking about the other day that nobody could remember what it was called. It's one where he Monica. gets the computer in his head and yeah. takes over his body because he's in action and he's going on a revenge quest. Yeah. But that's kind of like the Venom like movie of like where you have the symbiote kind of help you out and do stuff from a darker perspective. And that movie gets violent and I liked it. But like I would say that's kind of like if you're on the action route, that's the tone I would have taken with this film. But the thing is, like, I think there's a big miss in the body horror. Now, the one big complaint I have to give about this film, Venom, is that the character is, like, black. And then all the stuff is shot in the dark. And it is one of the worst films for I mean, like, scene- technically. Technically. Te- technically, the yeah. approach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, technically, like, it's you can't see what's going on in half the screen the screen when he's fighting Riz Ahmed symbiote on the tar like what tar not tarmac but like the launching pad yeah area. the scaffolding yeah the and you're like trying to figure out what's going on it reminded me of like the old Michael Bay um, Transformers movie where garbage is fighting garbage yeah and that was 
that's the one thing with a lot of the superhero movies, at least you can have is just like, at least I'm going to see a cool action sequence. At least I'll see something really dynamic where you get to see the power set showed off. And I feel like you weren't given that in this film. Infinity war just fucking yeah. destroyed. They set the bar almost impossibly high for cut co- like full on colorful comic book style fights. Like, I don't know. And we've talked, I've talked about this also on the podcast at length. Like, I don't know how you could do it better than that movie. Like, it's like, the way that they choreographed the, the battles, but also the writer working with the writers to make a story that makes sense, but that you end up with what, you know, these bad guys and these good guys fighting. And they're like perfect. Like you couldn't think of a better way, like better showdowns. You know what I mean? Like it right. was just like fucking amazing. And like them working as teams, like it was so fucking good. Yeah, I just so think, on point. I think the art director on Venom should and the lighting supervisor should have really, really done a better job in this film unfortunately like i know how hard it is like it's there's hundreds and hundreds of people working on this and you can kind of tell like it's no one's talking to each other properly so if you were to tell somebody to watch this movie what reason would you give them to watch it like if if there was one i I mean i don't think any of us are telling anybody to watch this movie Mm -hmm. but if you were going to tell somebody to watch this movie what would your reason be my reason would I don't know how, how not podcast? to how not yeah well I think <laughs> is it is it look I'll is it say, fun I'll enough this, it's to fun watch in a group of friends yes we yeah, went with we went into fun. a theater brought some beers and have a good time and had a great time yeah. and I think that audiences at large also did you know which kind of br- comes full circle to that like uh, what what movie were we watching where people were uh, or maybe it was a trailer and people were laughing and it brought this point up again it was recent fuck. Was it a dog's purpose? Dog's purpose, yeah. <laughs> yeah a dog's purpose uh, was a trailer that a lot of people thought was hilariously awful. But can't wait to watch that movie for the podcast. Oh, oh yeah, that's okay. I remember what it was. It was it was in Spider Verse. Okay, okay. F- obviously, a fantastic film. Yeah. But what we were, Daryl and Bennett and I couldn't. We thought was so funny was just that like. Uh, you know, I was sitting next to Bennett and, uh, spoiler alert, when he falls and lands on the USB key and breaks it, yeah, there was behind us an audible, like an adult went (gasps) unironically. And, and there were just moments in that movie where like, it kind of snaps you back to reality where you're just like. You know, it's like the most arrogant, snobby thing for me to say, but you're just kind of like, fucking, are you serious? Like that, like, that's kind of like the bar. Like how, when people go into films, it's a great movie, but they get immersed to a level where like they are gen, like they're shot. Like you could picture uh, this woman that made this noise in the theater, like holding her and just being like, oh no, what are they going to do? Like they broke the USB keys broken. And we, I think, have just watched so many movies and are so like just not jaded but it's just like you you see things like that and you're just like oh like it just doesn't even register you know what i mean like it's like you know what's gonna happen and there might be twists along the way you can still enjoy it but it's like the idea that there there's a large portion of people that go to movies it's like when you're in a in a comedy or even not even a comedy and people laugh at parts that maybe you think are the wrong thing you're like why Mm -hmm. you know like people are not getting it or at least that's how i feel maybe maybe i'm the one that's not getting it but my whole point is to say when we talk about like as we will proceed to 
how much did this movie make? Why do they? Why do studios keep making movies like that? It's because the audience is more those people than it is people like us who are like, who want quality. You know what I mean? Like at the expense of, well, we made fucking two hundred million dollars on like a, you know, fifty million dollar spend. Obviously, let's just keep making these until those numbers like even out, and then we'll move on to something else. And it's just like the reason they're making so much money is because people go to them and they're like. You know, I, I almost guarantee you 75% of the people that saw Venom genuinely enjoyed it. And like, if you were like, did you like Venom? They'd be like, yeah, it's a good movie, you know? Sure. Unironically. And it's just like, oh, okay, cool. To each their own. But yeah, not every movie has to be the greatest movie you've ever seen or something like, and sometimes like seeing dumb fun is great. I love a sure. stupid movie ever so often, but it's just one of those movies like... I think because we've seen so many like the superhero genre grow leaps and bounds yeah. that you almost expect more out of it. And yeah. you're like, Oh, like I've seen Spider-Man homecoming be an amazing Spider-Man movie that hits high school Peter Parker for the first time. Or I see Logan show Wolverine in such a way or Deadpool be a funny comedy, like all these different ways you see a superhero. Right. And then you see Venom and you're just like, Oh, okay. We're not doing anything new. Yeah, we. It's like we stepped back into like, uh, fucking, the early days of like before Marvel Studios even existed, and you're just like, oh, okay, that's yeah. an interesting. It's choice. one of those movies where it's like, okay, what pop song should we put to this fight scene to hype up the audience? Batman and Robin. Yeah. So, who stars in the reboot of this movie? If you're gonna redo this and make it better, who do you put in the role of Venom? Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, that's the first one that came to my mind, too. But I feel like maybe that's only because he's playing the Joker. Although you want somebody who has like that sort of dark edge to him. Yeah. And well, yeah, see, we've seen him in some pretty dark shit. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, he was never really there never or whatever. Really there, yeah. Uh, I have an odd choice. Okay, yeah. Let's I would it. like Walter Goggins. Walton Goggins? Yeah, I'm in. Because he can do charming really well. He can do evil really well. And I think he has such a range with his ability. And... I, really I kind of like want I kind of want a character actor to take someone on like that. Yeah. See, I think that that's a great choice if you're remaking this Venom. I my choice was if I was making Venom the way that the I was movie describing it before. Okay. You know, like I don't think Walking Phoenix would have done well in in a, if you're trying to tell a Venom story like this. But if you're well, trying we'll to see tell what happens like with again, the Joker, that's I'm most hyped for that movie because it's the biggest question mark. Yeah, who knows? Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, and I would. Um, recast Woody Harrelson without a wig. Just use him. He's a great actor. <laughs> yeah. Just take that fucking wig off your head. <laughs> okay. Uh, what was the best moment of this movie? Hmm. <laughs> um, you know what? Like, even though the, the trailer ruined it, I was already so far gone in the film. And then when Venom eats that guy's head and says like a turd in the wind, yeah. Even though I knew how stupid that line was, yeah. I'd already seen like two hours of stupidness and I was already broken by that part. And I just laughed. Yeah, I like honestly says, could not stop laughing at that point because I was gone. Well, what I liked about that scene is that he doesn't hide. He's not hiding anymore. I, it's very obvious like that, that they tried to slip, but it's like he's now embracing the sim. He's embracing Venom and like, that woman just sees somebody that she knows, she knows his identity Yeah, and he turns into that. And then he's just like, ah, parasite, you know? And that, and that was like one of the, the genuine, like I was like, oh, that's, 
pretty funny. That like a line like that in like an MCU movie, I would have laughed at as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was yeah. like, but it's almost like they hadn't earned it for me. Right. I still laughed, but I was just like, mm. I, if the rest of the movie was a little bit more serious, then that would have been even funnier. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, that was a funny scene. I liked, I did, I will say that I did like the, you know, I agree with everything you were saying about the special effects and the lighting, but um, as a fan of the, of the comic book, like the original comic book character now he's portrayed, I thought they did a pretty good job the first time that the, mask so to speak comes on right before he says we oh are after Venom, the, the bike like, chase that yeah and like the teeth like he just is like looking at the guy and the teeth kind of like spoke that like like bike spokes kind of like curl out and like it comes down over his face and the tongue like that i was like oh that was cool but that was basically yeah i don't know i, I didn't like the i didn't like any of the action sequences i didn't like that. how he moved and that yeah. kind of ruined a lot of it for me i, right. I see him as being Either made, full on goo or just like Spider Man, you they, know, not like in between where he's like shooting out tendrils of like goo to like move around. I just want to see him like. But doesn't he do that? They animate. They, yes and no. Uh, they animate him like kind of like a gorilla, but he, he should be a little more like movable. Like he wasn't as in the comics. I find like he does like because he took Spider Man's power and how he went through. I felt like he was too goonish. Like he didn't move as fluently as I thought he should. In, in most of the comics, in the early comics, up until like maybe, probably before this, but maybe even like uh, Chris Bachelo, like uh, and like Humberto Ramos started working on Spider-Man comics. Like he basically is just like a bulkier Spider-Man. He's like Raphael to Michelangelo. You know, see, what I, I mean? kind of remember him being. But Raphael can still do like fluid and nice movements. I remember him being much larger than. No, Spider-Man. I, ju- I just mean like one of the. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He's still like the same. Like, I just if you were playing a video game, oh, there are yeah. two people that have the same powers, and yeah. one of them is like a small guy, and the so other Maximum one is like Carnage. a big guy. Yeah, that's what Venom is. He's not like I, in my head. I just don't remember him as being again until other artists started sh- like drawing, regardless of whether he was on Eddie Brock or just like the symbiote was just like on a wall or something like right. a p- pile puddle of goo. They didn't really like combine those things. Like if he's fighting somebody, he's not shooting out like goo everywhere he's just a fucking like a giant black spider-man you okay. know what i mean with mm-hmm. a crazy tone here's here's one very small question uh offside when stan lee does his stanley cameo is he talking about him and michelle williams back together or him and venom back together hmm. is that the wink to the audience in that moment where he's like good to see you two back together and <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah i don't know interesting yeah that was just my one thing where I, after I sat, I'm like, he's not, how would he fucking know? Guys, yeah. I just Googled Venom to try to find some comic pictures, and now it's just pictures from the movie. Sweet. So, so that Thanks, happened. Internet. So let me ask you, uh, how much money yeah, see. did this movie make? And Is he using a web there? I suppose. How much money did this movie make, and uh, how much did it cost to make? I'll, I will say this movie cost one hundred and seventy-five million dollars to make. Yeah, and this movie made, <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, and this movie made six hundred and sixty million dollars internationally. Oh, geez, Louise. And Andrew. Uh, ooh, I would say that this movie cost ninety million to mm-hmm. make. And it made three hundred and fifty million. Oh, it made way more than that. Okay, so 
The budget of this movie was $100 million. Okay, you're closer on that one. Domestically, it made $213 million. And bring Worldwide, it made $855 <laughs> million. Dollars. I knew I knew it when it made six hundred million when it made that article. So that's when I said that. I'm like, maybe it only made sixty million more. Yeah. It made two hundred million dollars more after the last time I checked in. Yeah. Foreign Fuck me. The foreign box office was six hundred and forty two million. Can you tell me itself. how much just China brought in? Because that's where this movie made its most money. That's Unfortunately I can't. I don't have those numbers like in front of me, but this and Aquaman is where the you see the Chinese market for blockbusters really affecting how films are made and marketed now. It is the number one movie to have opened in October, period. Okay. Uh, Money-wise. And uh, the number two to open in the fall, period. Uh, and the the number 11 movie in the last 365 days. There's a lot of big movies that came out in the last 365 days, though, to give it any credit. Exactly. Like, it came out with, what, Aquaman, Jurassic, whatever. Um the Avengers film, Black Panther, oh. movies made a lot of money, and Aquaman is in the crazy company. I think it's or not Aquaman, sorry, Venom. Just talking about that off mic, but Venom is probably one of the highest superhero movies of all time now. Yeah, it's definitely up there, which is fascinating to me. I think it, this speaks to what you were just saying, Andrew, about how you know the movie going public at large is just happy to be entertained without any sort of like, it doesn't have to be deeper. And I'm not suggesting that like everything we watch has to be like wrought with meaning and it has no. to be whatever it's, but I think that there are better ways to do these mindless movies. Like I think the latest installments of the fast and furious movies are better examples of, of this you, type those, of thing. Deadpool is a great example. Fast and Furious is all about family. How dare you? But 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 Deadpool is like it is there is like uh, layers and layers and layers behind what's going on in Deadpool. Here's the thing. I don't know if the yeah, film but I don't think I don't. Sorry, I was just gonna say I don't think somebody that thinks Venom is awesome gets that. Maybe when they see Deadpool, they they're seeing something similar to Venom. Sure. Which is just like a crazy violent action hero movie with a guy that just doesn't give a fuck. And the reason that it's so funny is because he's making Ryan Reynolds jokes all the time. Like right. they, they wouldn't watch that and be like thinking about any of the sort of subtext about, you know, racism and mutants. And, you know, like they, right. they're like, oh, these people are abusing children. That's bad. But like it's not what I think makes the movie brilliant is that they've like made that character they've nailed him so well. Like like in the Rick Remender run on X-Force, yeah, yeah. like it was just like, that makes it that much better. You know, you were laughing at all of this over the top funny stuff, but right. like it has a, and I think that, uh, again, as fuck, as I'm saying, it just sounds like I'm just talking out my asshole, like so arrogant, you know, but it's like, <laughs> no, it's like when we see Deadpool, that's what we all think. Right. And then when we see Venom, we're like, oh, this is different. But I feel like there are probably still a lot of people that would watch both of those movies and think of them in very similar. Like they'd just be like, oh, yeah. It's called being part of the lowest common denominator. It's fine. <laughs> shots fired. Yeah. Firing shots at the people. It's No, it, it's fine. Like I like terrible shit. I am an avid Riverdale watcher. I will watch Whoa. 
That is the show that is like watching a car on fire and being like, can it burn down to the chassis? Well, at least when I watch Jersey Shore or whatever, like the latest iteration of yeah. Jersey Shore. Like, so, I, love I try that to get shit. Koji to get Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for me. I got oh, it. it's on. Nice. It's on. I know, but I'm just, I was trying to like be the same as you guys and <sighs> say something that I think is not good. It's not except, good. Except that I think that it is not terrible now, actually. No, Riverdale and Jersey Shore are like a tour de force of terrible TV. And I watch it because it's my Schadenfreude. Mm. It, I, there's something, there's definitely something to some of this stuff. And I think that's sure. everyone's Venom is Venom is the Schadenfreude film of the year. Interesting. Uh, okay. So I know that you guys paid $5 to see this movie. Correct. How much is it? Is this movie worth you? Like, is it like a three twenty five? Would it's, you pay the full five dollars? What What would you pay to see this movie? If I saw this movie on UMD disc to play on my PSP at an antique market for yeah. less than fifty cents, I would buy it. If I was hungover on a Sunday and it was on Netflix, I'd put it on. Okay, so you're waiting until it comes to your house for free, and you're paying. No, nope, I paying pay for Netflix. Cents. So <laughs> let's see. If my Netflix bill is twelve dollars, how many movies do you watch in a month? Mm, yeah, so let's say I watch maybe two movies a week. Do the math. I would pay one dollar and forty-five cents. More than fifty cents. Correct. Interesting. What uh, about you? I would. Well, I paid nothing to watch this movie because I stole it on the internet. Are you admitting to a crime on live broadcast oh. to be recorded at a later date and used in a court of law against you? Completely. Catch me, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, don't I am not an accomplice. I paid for this movie. If anyone ever hears this podcast, I, I, I don't know that <laughs> I would. My name is Tom. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I would pay to see this movie. Yeah, I don't think I would. I okay. What if there was like ten of us going and we yeah. were like, "Hey, you should come," see, and you hadn't seen it? I would rather pay to see another Neil Breen film <laughs> than see this movie. Can I Whoa. can I make a suggestion? If you guys haven't seen the worst movie I've seen in a long time, have you guys seen the new Predators? No, I haven't no. seen it yet. Okay, that movie's unwatchable. Well, like it's so badly directed, it actually jump cuts all the time. I have I have it in 4K with 7.1 surround sound that we can watch in my new setup here later. I was going to do it right after. You're going to be on back to back episodes, boy. Oh, it is. It, I I saw it in theaters, and I remember actually having a headache after scenes. It's it's really hard. So if that's your next one, you should kill it. Whoop, whoop. Uh, okay. Our next one is going to be Billy Jack and Frogs. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. What the fuck is frogs? My, it's a rec- both are recommendations from my mom. She's like, it's the worst, and I can't wait for you to watch it. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, knowing your mom, knowing that recommendation, that's awesome. It's gonna be. Yeah, great. that's a preview for next week. <laughs> uh, okay, so what are your suggestions for the week? Let's give some people some good my, entertainment. So my suggestion, I don't. Th- I so when I watched it, it wasn't being advertised yet. But yeah. my recommendation is just going to be season two of Friends from College because... Or just Friends from College in general. Just Friends watch from the college show, in general, but, but season two is better. Yeah. But what's crazy is that uh, Netflix originals generally are at the... bit. You know, you log into Netflix and it's like they show them. The, they get the big tiles. Right. And uh, it's showing up that way now, but it's been out for at least a week, I think. Well, because I think the first season didn't do so well so i don't think they were really pushing it hard but now they realize people are like but it just seems it. like why why it was not a slow burn. it's one of your original shows you should like why not give it front and center even for like a couple days you know anyway the point is it's there now but um that was the only reason i was recommending it is because i thought maybe it slipped under the radar but i think it'll be a little bit more front and center now that show is 
uh, yeah, like Koji said, I really enjoyed the first season, but the second season is, I thought it was hilarious. They it's really like refined of, it. Yeah, they really, they really did. It's still about a group of basically awful people, or maybe not awful. They're just very flawed, um, and they're kind of stuck in feedback loops of just repeating behavior over and over again that just gets them into trouble. And they're friends from college. If you haven't seen it before, and it stars Fred Kobe, Savage, Fred Savage, Kobe Smulders, uh, Keegan Michael G- Key. Ke- yep. Uh, yeah, um, I, there's lots of people you recognize in it. Some people that I don't think I've ever seen before, but I love. What's the name on the street guy? He's in it. Huh? He does those things like on the Billy on the that, street. The Billy on the street. Yeah, plays Felix. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just fucking great. It's just a fun. It's like what we were just talking about, but like it's well written. You know, it's intend intended to be a comedy, and it's just like. I fucking loved it. It was just like very refreshing in a time where a lot, most of the shows coming out are dark, you know, and kind of like grimy and just sort of like, uh, this doesn't really have any of that. It's just, just straight up hilarity. And, uh, and I really enjoyed it. So check cool. it out. Friends from college. Um, I'm going to recommend something I'm currently working on right now. Oh, here we go. Um, Look at the camera. Pl- yeah. Plug. That one. Yeah, here comes that the plug. One or that one. Tell the people what you got going on. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, it's the first season. I didn't have anything to do with the first season of this show, but uh, I'm working on the second season of Final Space, a Netflix original. Mm. And uh, I was watching the first season and without knowing that I was going to work on the second season. And it's a really good cartoon. If you're into adult comedy cartoons, say like Rick and Morty or like Simpsons, um, at first I didn't really like final space, the first couple episodes, but then it grew on me and it's one of those cartoons with a lot of humor and a lot of heart. And I think it does things that I think really good Simpsons episodes have done and it's grown in a way. And especially working on the second season, it's going to be something special. And I don't think enough people have watched it, but I think it's going to be something awesome and I just want to support it. Final space guys, get on your Netflix. It's not going to cost you anything. Just watch it, watch a couple episodes and see if you like it. Yeah. Um, my recommendation is going to be a superhero movie. Uh, my favorite of the most recent superhero movies. Oh, and Jesus that is Christ. Aquaman. <laughs> but keep in mind, keep in mind, like I, I, I tell people like you have to see this movie and I'm 100% genuine about it. But just keep in mind the director of this film is the guy who brought you all the all the Saw movies and the Fast and Furious movies. Not all the Fast and Furious movies, but like I think the most recent Fast and Furious movie. So uh, it's gonna have that sort of uh, sort of feel to it. So you know. <laughs> Sorry, I was miming a farting and vibrating uh, the bench that Tom and I are both sitting on, and it kind of distracted me for a minute. Uh, I was just saying, the guy who uh, yeah. directed this film directed the Fast and Furious movie oh, and the Saw movies. It's much more competent than most of the new DC movies, well, for I sure. Haven't, I still haven't seen it, but I want to see it, and the reason I want to see it is because I did read some, I wouldn't say glowing, but some reviews that were basically just like, they unapologetically went for it. They wanted to make it a colorful comic book movie, and it and it succeeds. Also, a friend of uh, the show, Ben Tillman, worked on it. Yeah, I mean, what up, Ben? This yeah. answers the question: What if a Van Damme movie <laughs> clashed with a Flash Gordon movie, and then suddenly turned into a rom com for about ten minutes, and, and then, then had back... sparks of Indiana Jones? <laughs> yeah, then, then it's Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Although, 
So what I said, when I initially compared it to Indiana Jones, my friend scoffed at me and said, no, National Treasure. Ooh, <laughs> much, much better. Much yeah. more accurate. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but in all the best possible ways. So I see this movie. The one thing they have going for it for Aquaman is Jason Momoa is super likable in the film. Oh, for sure. He's the bro you want to bro down with. Like he'd be someone Andrew would love to crush puss with. Yeah, <laughs> I I knew that when I watched him rock cli- rock climbing uh, and giving out like signed rock climbing shoes at a gym in uh, I think it was in Japan. Oh cool. sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, until next time, guys. Keep loving it and watch Frogs and uh, what Billy is it? Billy Jack. Billy Jack. Thank you for having me on, by the way. Yeah. Thanks for coming, man. And everybody, watch fucking Final Space. Peace out, motherfuckers.